0: Welcome to Chapter 3 of HealthSystemCIO.com's interview with Chuck Christian, VP of Technology and Engagement with the Indiana HIE. In this segment, Christian talks about what he believes HIEs must do in order to survive and thrive, the pivotal role data exchange can play in improving public health efforts, and how recent changes in Washington will impact health IT going forward. So one thing I had to bring up, especially, you know, knowing you for a couple of years, was the uh, a recent the Chilmark report that talked about HIEs and saying that they've reached their limits of effectiveness. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> I, I know that kind of thing uh, makes your blood boil, Okay,
1: the thing about it is Is uh, there is a researcher at the University of Michigan, Julia Adelie Milstein, I think is her name. If it hasn't been published, it's about to be published. Uh, about For Medicare patients that are in areas that are covered by an HIE, uh, there is an annual savings of about $139 uh, a year. Well, that doesn't seem like a whole lot of money until you multiply that by all the Medicare lives that HIEs can cover. It's millions, if not billions of dollars. So uh, there are competing uh, viewpoints uh, about health information exchanges. Now, the other thing that everybody should understand is not all HIEs are the same. Uh, Some persist data like we do, others do not. Uh, And so the services, data services that are able to offer are different, Uh, and so, we have to be very careful about painting uh, all the HIEs with the same color uh, and the same brush. And so have you ever heard the parable of the five blind priests that went to see the elephant?
0: <laughs> no, but it sounds you know, pretty good. <laughs> well,
1: I mean, it's, it's a, a much longer way. figure, you know, how does a blind person see? They see with their hands. Right. So picture an elephant in your head. Depending upon which part of the elephant you grab, yeah. you're going to describe it differently. And so, depending upon what type of HIE you may be looking at, uh, there may be some in the country that uh, have reached their limit of capability because, and will either do, need to do one or two things. They'll either need to uh, change, and many of them are changing their technology stacks in order to be able to offer different services. Uh, or they'll just go out of, you know, they'll just fade away. And I'm hoping that we've reached to the point now that all the ones that were going to fade away, they're going to do one or two things. If you look, at particularly out east, you'll see consolidation taking place. I mean, I'd actually, Julia did a piece of research, I think it was in the last year, maybe the first of this year, that said that you know, the, the number of HIEs were decreasing. Well, that's absolutely true, but the number of lives or population that was being covered by health information exchange was increasing because they're consolidating. You've got smaller ones that uh, have, are, you know, are walled in in a geographic area. They just join, and you know, it's 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 like you know they're just connecting and becoming part of a larger organization, rather than you know they're being absorbed, they're being merged into. Uh, Uh, larger HIEs, which is fine. I mean, that's exactly what's happening happening in healthcare systems. When you have the smaller hospitals that cannot survive uh, by their self because of a variety of market pressures, they have a tendency to join larger health systems or be acquired by larger health systems. You know, one of the things that that we battled with when I was at, at Good Samaritan was, what is the depth and breadth of services that a community hospital should be offering? Does every one of them need to do open heart surgery? No. Mm. Um, you know, the you know, the the old adage was, Who do you want to do your open heart surgery? A physician who does three hundred a year or one that does eighteen a year? Well, I'll tell you what my preference is. Yeah. I want somebody that's honed their skills about three hundred plus a year. So uh, in smaller community hospitals, you may or may not have that kind of volume to, in order to be able to offer that service. So you have to kind of right-size uh, that a little bit. But I think I will, and I, I'm, this is a strange phrase, I'm going to violently disagree that HIEs have maxed out. Uh, I think that we're just now starting to scratch the surface on what we're, what the capability may be. Uh, because most of the hies have grown up regionally, and they have a tendency to serve the the people that are, you know, paying the bills, that are buying their services, and so it's kind of like, you know, th- this is this is what people are willing to pay for, so this is what I'm going to do. Well. The other thing is, is the rules continue to change. If you look at some of the advanced payment models that are coming out of Washington, D.C., every one of those is going to require some level of data that doesn't exist in your healthcare system, uh, particularly if you're going to get into risk-based sharing uh, type approaches around ACOs and some of the other ones. Uh, You need to know where that patient is getting services, and you know, if you if the only view you have is the data you have in your own EMR, you're going to have a very narrow band of uh, view of, of where that patient's having services. You won't know that patient's been admitted somewhere else. You know, it's kind of like, you know, the readmission studies. Readmissions are not just being readmitted to your facility. It's readmitted anywhere. Well, you need to know that because... Up until you know recently, uh, you had to go to the government to tell you what your readmission rate was because uh, it took a mathematical genius and uh, a really good crystal ball to know if your patients were being readmitted somewhere else. Well, with an H A E like ours, I can tell you today uh, when a patient gets admitted in another facility that also connects to us. So I think that we're just uh, learning how to uh, have an impact upon health care from a population standpoint, from a community uh, and public health standpoint as well.
0: Right. And uh, that tie-in with, uh, with population health is going to be interesting to see. And I can see why you say that HIEs have not yet maxed out because that's a whole function that, that really could uh, start to uh, take some interesting shape going forward.
1: <laughs> Well, I think that's one of the things, if you go back in the very beginning of Meaningful Use and some of the early PCAST reports, it's about the data. And part of the issue was a lot of the data. Uh, if, if you think about it for a moment, where does the grand majority of health care take place in this country? It is not in hospitals. But hospitals are one that had the financial wherewithal in order to put in the technology to uh, get to the data to streamline the their operations and that kind of stuff. But the grand majority of the care in the country from a uh, individual standpoint was happening at the physician practices. So now that we have the large majority of the physician practices that are automated, uh, you have a whole lot more data that you can use appropriately uh, and securely to, to do things around public health. I mean, one of the things that our public health folks are looking at is uh, you know childhood obesity. Well, where are you going to get that data? Are you going to go to the schools and roll out a pair of scales and weigh every kid uh, in the schools? Well, uh, most of the kids are seeing either a family physician or a pediatrician or they're in some clinic and they get weighed because that's the first thing they do after they call me back is they weigh my fat behind and then uh, say, hmm, you've gained a few pounds. And I'm I'm still waiting to say, hmm, you've lost a few pounds. That's great. (laughs) Um, But, you know, they do the same thing to children as well. And so they, they measure how tall they are. And so you've got their height and weight. You can do their total, their BMI. So wouldn't it be great if we could, if the public health system uh, looked at that, and then you could take that data set and bump it up against some of the other social determinant factors of health, you know, where do they live, what their socioeconomic state is, and, you know, a few other things uh, that you could take a look at, and you could start doing a better job of moving the services from a public health standpoint to the areas that they need. I was reading uh, an article not long ago. Indianapolis is a pretty good-sized place. Uh, it's pretty densely populated, and we have places that uh, qualify as a food desert. And I'm looking at that and going, well, I, I'm not buying it. And, but the problem is, if you look at the definition, is a lot of the people are in the lower economic ranges. They use public transportation because there's no place to park your car. Uh, so they use public transportation because that's all they need, but, so they have to walk to the grocery store. If there's not a grocery store within a mile, uh, you know, particularly the more elderly folks, they can't get to the grocery store back, so they're in a food desert. Same thing goes for they don't have access to a pharmacy. And I'm going, well, how is that possible? Every street corner that I can see, you've got competing CVSs and Walgreens, and then yeah. you have, a, you know, sprinkled in Rite Aid and a few other ones out there. But, there, but once again, you know, it's within, you know, how far away from the, those population centers are those services? So uh, it's really, it was really kind of an eye-opening, you know, an epiphany for me about we really truly need to take a look at, you know, how those services are uh, and where they are. I don't know if you have Marsh's in your area, Marsh grocery stores in your area or not, but Marshes filed bankruptcy. Uh, there are a lot of Marsh stores. I mean, there's a big one not too far from the office that I go down maybe once or twice uh, a week, and they have a great hot lunch bar, uh, and I get lunch. Well, yeah. when that closes, because they filed Chapter 11, they can't find a buyer by the first of July. They're going to shutter all their stores. Well, that's going to have a significant impact upon people's ability because uh, a lot of the, you know the younger kids, you know, I say kids, you know, the younger adults that, that live and work downtown, they walk, and that's where they shop, yeah. uh, and it's where they you know they can go over and get a hot hot meal, and they don't have to cook. So. Uh, but I think you know it's it's how we use that data to uh, to identify those areas you know, appropriately. I mean, it's you know please don't hear me say that uh, c- because we have this massive amount of data, we have free access to it. We do not. We are the curators of that information. We have a, a, a governance committee that defines who accesses the data and how they access it and what data they get to. Uh, just because I want to doesn't mean I can. Uh, it's no different than working in a hospital and having all the uh, keys to the kingdom. Just because I could go look into the medical record, I best not, because yep. then I'd have to fire myself.
0: Absolutely. All right. Well, we've um, we've definitely covered a lot of ground. I know that there's so much going on, so uh, <laughs> it's hard to get it all in. but.
1: Well, I mean, the only other thing I'd say is, you know, they're, they're, I'm watching very carefully about what's, you know, what's taking place in, uh, you know, ONC and CMS both. Right, right, I lay awake at night. This latest cyber attack that happened on, on Friday yeah. uh, was quite disconcerting. And yeah. so, you know, we're, you know, we're staying diligent uh, with those things. But the whole specter of the fact is, you know, when you think you have all the doors bolted, uh, somebody's going to come crawl through a crack. And so you have to be forever vigilant. Um, and so now that O&C is and CMS both are getting their, you know, their staffing in place, we'll see where everything is going to go uh, from there, from an interoperability standpoint and from a, you know, just moving forward. Uh, and so we're looking forward to, you know, continuing to look at those public policies to see what comes out of DC.
0: Yeah. And I think that the next time we speak, maybe in a couple months, we'll have more, maybe a little bit more information. We know that these things take, it takes time for, uh, you know, new administrations to really set up and get into gear. And, uh, yeah, there'll, there'll be more to talk about in terms of how this is going to affect everyone.
1: Well, I mean, I think that, you know, some of the the American Health Care uh, you know, Acts and some of the other things don't know what's going to come out of the Senate. Uh, yeah. I, I'm almost certain that what was passed in the House will not be what comes out of the Senate because there are, you know, competing viewpoints about the expansion of the, the Medicaid populations. I mean, we've done it twice here in Indiana. Uh, it seems to have worked okay. You know, Sima Verma is was a consultant that helped both Mitch Daniels uh, and Mike Pence with those, you know, the revisions of the Medicare uh, Medicaid in Indiana. And I have no idea what she's going to do from a from a national level, but that's going to be interesting to see what policies uh, come out from that. So, yeah, that would be a great topic of uh, the next time we get together to talk about that and and see how it's panning out and uh, what's going on.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Very interesting times we live
1: in. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> and that is a blessing and a curse.
0: Yeah, exactly. I agree. All right. Well, thank you so much for your time. Um, hey, well, you're we very really welcome. Glad to do it. it. Great. Well, then I look forward to speaking with you again.
1: Okay. Take care of yourself until Anthony said hey.
0: I will. Thanks so much.
1: Okay. Have a good day. Bye. Bye-bye. Thanks. Bye-bye,
0: Chuck. Thank you for listening to this podcast from HealthSystemCIO.com. To hear other podcasts, visit our website or subscribe to our account in iTunes at healthsystemcio.com backslash podcast.